welcome. I am your host, Kimberly Lovey. I am a wife, a mother of two. I'm a businesswoman, a brand builder, blogger, and podcaster. I'm here to connect with women just like me who want to optimize their life while looking and feeling our best. Together, we will remove limiting beliefs and dream to become our highest and best version of ourselves. We will explore both mental and physical aspects of self-improvement while forming a community, a sisterhood. Before we dive in, please subscribe to my podcast and give me five stars. Hello and welcome back. This week we speak with Adrian and Brandon Cherry, two highly successful entrepreneurs who have retired at 31 years old. Adrian and Brandon join us from their beautiful home in Malibu, California and share their stories of how they rose to success both individually and together as a couple. Neither one of them was born wealthy and they describe how they identified visions and seized opportunities they saw growing up. They discuss the traits they admire in each other and how they supported each other in their growth every single day as they became the power couple they are today. We uncover and discuss themes we have observed of successful people, such as having fire in your belly and reaching for opportunities while being comfortable taking risks. We also discuss how to responsibly manage your budget as you embark on a new venture and the importance of living below your means to build wealth. Most recently, Adriana and Brandon decided they wanted to give back, so they launched a new venture, Life as a Millionaire, whereby they provide free, yes, free coaching to aspiring entrepreneurs. They truly, this truly is a passion project for both of them. If you would like to meet with them and ask questions on anything related to entrepreneurship, you can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Life as a Millionaire 31. These two are a fascinating couple with huge hearts and will give you so much inspiration in anything you do. With that, let's dive in. Okay, Adriana and Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you guys? We're doing great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Um, I'm super, super excited to have you guys on my podcast. You are probably one of the most interesting couples I know. Um, And we met obviously through our children. And the more I get to know you guys, the more I just, you know, want to talk and learn more about you guys. So uh, you guys mind maybe separately providing a little bit of background on where you came from and how you grew up. And then we can talk a little bit more about what you're up to today. I'm Adriana. And I was actually born in South America. I was born in Venezuela, in Caracas, the capital. And I moved to the United States when I was 12. And through my childhood, it was really important for my family that whenever we would come to the United States, that we would speak English. So anytime we would vacation here, my parents would always be like, you got to speak English, you got to speak English. So when I would go back home to Venezuela, they would always be very, very, it was very intriguing for the people in my school that I would speak with an American accent and so much to the point that I would be get made fun of. And to me, I was like, make fun of me all you want. I don't have an accent. You do. So it was kind of fun in that sense. Obviously, as a kid, nobody likes to make, uh, nobody likes to get made fun of. But I moved to the States permanently when I was 12 years old and I went through middle school, you know, super culture shock. A lot of different things happen. And uh middle school in South Florida. Then I went to the University of Florida in Gainesville for college. And then I moved out to LA in 2011 after I graduated. And I worked in the entertainment industry for a while. I started working in at ABC Studios in the business affairs department. 
And through my career, I started kind of just being open-minded about what the opportunities were. And I was honed in in digital marketing and advertising because advertising was what was paying for the studios to run really until you had a hit show. So I segued into digital marketing and advertising and I ended up doing uh, product placement advertising at Fremantle. And then I moved over to Fox doing just a straight digital sales and then I was poached by Marvel and I ended up my corporate career at Marvel before doing my own private uh, search engine optimization and digital marketing uh, business. So uh, it's been a really interesting career. It's been really, really fun being able to not be, uh, to not have a cap to what your success can be. And mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things that we really like to, you know, we, we would like to tell our children when they grow up and really try to inspire in everybody that we speak to, like, there's no cap. You are your own limitation. So, so yeah, absolutely. A couple of things I have to add for Adriana is one of her first jobs ever was on Monday night football. And you know, football is huge. You have to love the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but also, she was uh, on the show American Idol for uh, a while. Um, I was working know, on the show, uh, yeah. Working on the show. And I mean, and who didn't watch American Idol, you know? Um, so, and then she left out. We have, uh, when she was with Marvel, we were able to uh, walk two red carpets uh, and do the uh, premieres of uh, Ant-Man and- And the Avengers. And the Avengers. So that was- oh, yeah, that was really fun, for sure. Wow. Well, we'll have to show the kids some of those pictures because my family will go nuts. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Brandon. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I say Dallas because it's kind of like L.A. If you're you know from L.A., you just say L.A. Um, but the actual city is Mesquite. Um, and although I have a very strong accent and the city I'm from Mesquite, there's actual rodeo there. Um, I've never worn cowboy boots, never worn a cowboy hat. Um, I rode a horse one time in my life and it was actually in Australia. Um, so, you know, I, you know, the accent doesn't go, you know, and everybody in my family, um, actually doesn't have an accent too, but <laughs> people know me from my accent, especially here in LA. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, both of my parents uh, have been married multiple times and they were divorced when I was only like one and a half. Um, but I was in a fortunate situation where they like worked together and they lived within like two miles of each other until I was like 15 years old. So it was, I was back and forth. I, you know, although it was back and forth, you know, I did feel loved and not like, you know, shipped off. Um, sure. We did grow up, um, not necessarily poor, but you know, definitely uh, below the uh, below average. So I think that really helped my helped me be the person I am today. Because so many times I would play on the baseball team or the basketball team growing up, and I wouldn't have the things that I wanted. You know, I'd see the other kids have a new baseball bat, a new glove, and I didn't get those things. You know, we bought clothes one time. You know. A year and that was the week before you know school started and those kind of things um but 
fortunately for my dad, he was a postman at the post office and one of his employees started a business. And that's kind of what started, you know, uh, somewhat my success. Um, although uh, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because money's always been, you know, my number one priority. Since I was like seven years old, I literally have not gotten one birthday present, Christmas present, Valentine's Day present. If you got me something, you know to give me money. So I actually bought stocks when I was eight years old. Um, my parents didn't know anything. I mean, they can't spell the word stock now. Um, and I bought like, you know, my most, you know, famous is a company called Intel uh, before the dot-com boom. Uh, and I made a lot of money in the stock market. And, you know, by the time I was 15, I had a lot of money. I mean, wow. a lot of money um, because of my all of my money that I saved up. Um, but with that being said, my dad's post, my dad was a postman and uh, he had one of his uh, guys come to work, you know, and say, hey man, I started this side business and it was basically a party planning company but the way I describe it is it's a traveling casino. So he built his own blackjack tables, roulette tables, crap tables, poker tables. Um, we bought slot machines, um, baccarat tables, and the guy started making so much money, um, you know, and this was, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago, and the guy made 30,000 in one month. He was making 40,000 a year you know, delivering mail. So my dad started picking it up and I actually started my company when I was 15 and I ended up building it to one of the biggest in Dallas. The uh, number one in Dallas. Uh, before, before selling that. And then, you know, I, I'm still, you know, I, that wasn't enough for me. Uh, so I, then I was fortunate enough to start a real estate company in the 2008, right during the financial crisis. So in Dallas, you know, um, if you're not familiar, you know, home prices in LA, you can buy a Cracker Jack box for a million dollars and in Dallas <laughs> for a hundred thousand, you can live like a king. So I literally, I was buying houses for 50, 60,000 a piece and putting 10,000 in and selling for 90,000 as fast as I could write the checks. Um, so that was a second business. Um, and then from there, I actually, I met a few billionaires along the way and they kind of took me under the, their wings and saw, you know, how I grew a few of my businesses. And uh, I started consulting with them, um, mainly in the gambling, uh, you know, poker and backgammon. And uh, they rewarded me, you know, very handsomely. And that's where we are now today. And we started this new initiative, Life as a Millionaire. Right. So we both yeah. retired. 31 and that's oh, yeah. why I started it. Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Wow. So, I, I mean, you guys are just so, I mean, the audience that is being introduced to you can, their heads are probably spinning. There's just so much um, behind both of you guys separately. And we'll talk about even together. It's funny because as you guys are talking, I see two characteristics in both of you that are the same. And one of them is you both had had and have, I think, fire in your belly for different reasons, but nothing was handed to you. You both had fire in your belly. And by that, I mean, you had a vision, both of you from a young age of more, 
and that you 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 knew you wanted more you saw that there was more and you wanted to go for more and you both saw opportunity the second thing is you both kind of jumped on the opportunity and took risks um in in various ways and like rode these various different waves i mean getting into digital marketing right and and obviously early on is a, is a big deal, right, Adriana? And then Brandon, obviously seeing so many opportunities as he just described, it's just, it's interesting because I noticed those themes in all of the successful people I know. And it's just not something I, I think we can gloss over. I think it's something really, really definitive um, that differentiates these highly, highly successful people, highly successful people like yourselves, you're driven people and things were not handed to you and that fire and that vision and, you know, seeing opportunity and then taking it and stepping into it. Uh, I just, it's just, you know, really, really is outstanding to see both of you guys um, seizing, seizing that separately. So, how did you guys meet? And then I want to flip over and talk a little bit about how you've seized even more opportunity together as a couple. Right. So we actually met online. Uh, we were introduced online, but then we actually met in person in Malibu. And uh, it was really, really interesting meeting this human being via phone because we were <laughs> talking every single day for two weeks. He was in Paris working and I was out here in LA at the Fox lot working and we're just making time in completely different time zones you know across the pond and getting to know each other to the point where I remember Brandon even asked me you're the total package like why should I not date you and I'm like whoa buddy hold off just a moment you haven't met me in person let's make sure we have chemistry let's make sure things like work into its place and when we met it was just like we knew right away like this is this is the human I want to be with. You know, we, we hire each other and we really want the best out of each other. And that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons why we work so well together. And I also think um, it was a big plus um, to really talk with each other for such a long period before we actually met. Um, because I feel like everybody has that sexual, you know, prowess, you know, right the first time you meet, you know, you can't overcome that. And we really were able to get to know each other. And I feel like, you know, everybody's in that honeymoon stage for, you know, such a long period that it's harder to see the flaws, you know, before they show up and, you know, talking and really understanding who this person was without right. like having the glossy eyes, you know, was really important. I feel like sure. that was able to, have that concrete foundation and, and put us to where we're at now. I love that. I think that's, that's definitely, um, that's an interesting perspective about kind of online dating or meeting online, you know, that I haven't really heard. I think that's a really huge benefit too, that you highlight. And so you guys met and you kind of knew you're my person. And how long did you guys date for before you got married? Um, about two years, I think. Mm -hmm about two years before we got married and yeah. but it was but our relationship was very it was funny we whenever we'd go off into our into our business worlds we'd be like all right do your best and every time we'd go to bed we'd always talk about like what are some of the things that we did great today what are some of the things that we could improve on today uh and that's wow. like we really kept each other accountable every single day and i remember even times where i would leave to go to the office and brandon would be like 
go make that jingle. And it was just like little <laughs> things here and there that really motivated each other. So. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. It's so cool to see um, two independent people that are strong and successful on their own come together and, you know, make even more magic. And so maybe that's a good segue to um, transition and talk a little bit about what you guys came up with and what you guys are working on together today. Sure. Um, do you wanna? I think, I think, uh, sure, I'll say a few things. Yeah, sure. um, so Adriana's been kind of the bull on this. It's life is a millionaire, 31. And we mentioned, we both retired at 31. Um, I'm 37 now and 32. Yeah, 32. Um, but we feel like our biggest um, help to give, you know, back. We know that we're very good with finances and budgeting, but we're also have shown that we're very successful, like starting our own business too. Mm -hmm. So this initiative, instead of uh, just giving money to people and, you know, maybe not being used to the most efficient way, we felt like, hey, we want to give back. What's the best way to do that? Um, we want people that, you know, are hungry, just like us, you know, you mentioned the fire, you know, so it's tough to kind of, I feel like BS that, you know, when you're, when you've been in this situation, you can see who's like trying to uh, be a salesperson and who actually has the fire. Mm -hmm. So it's been very interesting when we've talked to, uh, current entrepreneurs that we're helping and even singles and families that are wanting budget and help because I, I am a little impatient when it comes to, you know, I, I want to help people out as much as, you know, they want to help out. But I'm also have that switch where, Hey, you know, if I'm wasting my time with you, you know, I'm hurting other people that I could be helping, you know, I only right. have such amount, mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, right. but yeah, add, add a little bit. So, the biggest addition that I had was like the 31 behind the life as a millionaire is the biggest thing that we wanted to do is we didn't want to be working full time and not be able to be with our families and see our children grow up. And when we retired, we had just had our, our daughter and, and now we have our son who's 18 months old. And in the process of parenthood, we said, you know, there's, there's a little bit more that we can give. Right. So we started doing a lot of self-education, self-development, personal development. And we came across Lori Santos's uh, class on happiness. And she's a professor at Yale. We also did a, a class at Harvard on happiness and a class at UC Berkeley, all and, about the science of and happiness. And to interject, continue. But the class that she's talking about, Lori Santos, is the most uh you know, um, enrolled, he has most a enrolled uh, class in the history of college, you know, of Yale. Wow. I think in any college. Uh, yeah, it's online and yeah. it's free for everybody on Coursera uh, for people to, you know, check out. But I guess the biggest impact that we got from that class, because we wanted to make ourselves better every day, we always want to be the best version of ourselves possible. So mm -hmm. when we were listening to this class, we were sitting out here in the patio and we were just thinking like, wow, like there is something to giving back. And there's so many benefits that are intrinsic and, and also like socially, right? So when we, when we got that big nugget of like information from that class we said you know we have to do something that's impactful and what are our what are our strengths and how can we give back so we we came up with the life as a millionaire 31 and 
we made it. It's going to be a nonprofit, nonprofit digital initiative to just inspire people who want to really have financial freedom, help people who want to get their finances in order, help entrepreneurs who really want to make a difference, people that are like, you know, drowning in debt and don't know what to do. Like, mm -hmm. we want to be that resource. The biggest challenge that we've had as we've developed this uh, initiative over the past year is that some people are really uh, shocked that it's free. Like we don't want any money from anybody. We just want to give the resource and give the help. So that's why we're trying, you know, all these different avenues to get to people so that people understand that there's no catch here. We just really mm -hmm. are two people that want to give back. Wow. That's beautiful. And it's so, it's, um, it's almost funny and sad all at once that, you know, purity, a pure giving initiative is, you know, people don't trust it, right? It, it says something about society today. I think that's that's beautiful. And so I love this initiative, you guys, so much. Um, can you maybe describe, I think, you know, it's particularly interesting to talk to you guys now because right now we're recording this inside of what's about to be an even higher or uh, more strict quarantine starting tomorrow if, um, you know, we've already been on this journey for what, eight or nine months. So what are some of the challenges specifically that you're seeing now with people and entrepreneurs and how do you help them really overcome the challenges that you're seeing? One of the biggest challenges that come off, comes up right off the bat for me is I've had a few people come up to us, uh, you know, via our Instagram handle and say, I need help. I lost my job. I don't know what to do. I've applied, 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 but haven't gotten anything. And I think it's really, really difficult in this current climate and with this pandemic to really switch your mindset, especially after losing your livelihood so that you can achieve more, more things in your life. So I feel like we have seen that with some people and the advice that we give is it all starts with mindset. It all starts with you being your biggest cheerleader. If you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect anybody else in this world to believe in you? So we, because one of the other things that we have learned throughout our life is money is not everything. Money doesn't make you happy. You know, you have to be happy through all these other things. Money is just a tool and a resource that gets you to, you know, from point A to point B and, and, and sometimes it adds extra happiness in other things, but. And I think, you know, you said something that a lot of people don't understand. And I feel like I'm a good candidate to explain. She said, money doesn't uh, bring happiness and you can't, you know, convince anybody that I don't mm -hmm. feel like uh, I listened to it when I was 15, you know, when I wanted a lot of things and I didn't have anything. Um, but coming from zero and now being retired at 31, I can say money provides us opportunities sure. and financial freedom, which is unreal and it's awesome. But the key is it doesn't necessarily provide you happiness. You know, you still have to have, you know, that fire, you know, that we have inside of something, you know, to, uh, you have to have a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Purpose and meaning. What's your mission? What's your why? You know, if you don't know what that why and it's extrinsically motivational through money, then you're never going to really be happy. 
It's true. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of what you're talking about as far as mindset and happiness is, you know, dovetails in with kind of the brand that I'm building around empowering women. And it's very much an inner game. This notion of happiness, it comes from the inside confidence, right? It's all an inner game. And I think maybe tying together what you're saying about money does not provide you with the happiness. I think it was probably Ed Milet, one of these wonderful podcasters and, um, you know, inspirational leaders that I listened to talked about this idea of like, you know, you have to be happy with yourself regardless of your financial status because you're going to be with you the whole time, right? Like, so if you're poor, it's you. If you have a private jet, it's you. So it's it really genuinely is this inner mindset game. And I think where it probably gets tricky is like, it's easy for someone that is financially secure to kind of teach around it. It feels different when you don't have it, right? Um, are there specific maybe um, habits that you coach people to, or, um, you know, what tactical meaning like day-to-day -day action or maybe habits do you think are important for folks to um, ascertain the life that they want? I think the key is to be frugal. Um, so, so, so many people love to spend money. That's just people make money to spend money instead of like make money to save. And, and I'm going to interrupt you right there because it's also one of the th th themes that Brandon's like really keen on is like this instant gratification versus the delayed gratification. Mm. Is it or is it a want? And that's one of the things like every day in your daily life as you make the millions of little choices that you have to make. Is it a need? Is it a want? Is it just providing that instant gratification or could you delay it? I, and I wrote this article, it's been like a couple years ago um, when I was writing all this stuff for a book and it, the title was, um, what do you think about IG? And everybody, you know, I just ran it by, everybody knew it was talking about uh, Instagram, but that is the key, instant gratification. And it doesn't provide, you know, happiness. You know, it's like a kid and we know, you know, we see that three-year-old, you know, crying for something. If you hand them the ball, then they cry. But two seconds later, they forgot why they were crying. Right. Um, yes. So I think like the biggest thing is, and that we, we talk to people is like, what is your goal? And what is the reason why you're doing this? And finding the passion and the drive to then actually put in the work. You know, when Brandon started his, uh, his consulting business, he did a lot of work in order to provide extra value to the people that he was consulting. When I was doing my search engine optimization business, I did a lot of personal work and created fictitious businesses that I would test all of my concepts to, to make sure that they worked because I didn't want to tell a client, hey, go with me, you're going to be on the top page of Google if I didn't know that to be true. So all of the all the time that we put in an effort is the work that you got to do. And because you believe in yourself, you're going to achieve great things. And I want to add, because both of you guys have keyed on believing in yourself. And hey, I'm, I'm all in on that uh, mantra because I've been learning a lot from all of these courses we've been taking. And I feel like you have to believe in yourself because I, fake, I I guess, you know, I use the term fake it till you make it. I remember, you know, people ask me, how's your business doing? 
I didn't say one time it wasn't doing great. You know, I'm super busy. In my mind, I knew, man, it was it was crap. You know, I was fortunate enough to be young, living at home still, um, in college. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I didn't have any bills. And that's the key. So that's why mm -hmm. it's very uh, important to believe in yourself. But I will say, because we're in the business of helping people, um, not everybody is made to be an entrepreneur. It's not, they're not a bad person, but that's why I feel like sometimes we can help people because I don't want people that may have $10,000 to start a business that, you know, they just waste the money. And then, you know, six months later, they're like, oh, now I'm going to start a new job where that 10,000 could have really gone to something else. Right. Um, so I think that's one avenue that we've been able to help a few people, you know, even like stay at your current job, you know, you know, you want to take all the risk off your table, you know, don't spend a lot of money on your new business until you have that proven concept. Right, right. Yeah, and then there's there's other types of ways that you can build wealth, not just, and I think the shark tank effect has really motivated a lot of people to start new businesses and whatnot, but it's, it's twofold, right? Some people just want to start a business in an oversaturated area and it, it comes with challenges. And a lot of times they will not succeed if they don't have the right pieces in their minds and in their hearts and in their you know disposal right so i think that i think it's the fire too we yeah. go back to the word fire that you know kim brought up if you don't have the fire you're not going to be successful you know you can you can be on fire for a month or two months but at the end of the day to be a successful business people don't see that some days you're working 16 8 hours 16 18 yeah. hours and you're not making any money. Mm -hmm. It takes it takes things to do. It makes you've got to make a lot of mistakes, you know. And that's one thing we also provide. We try to tell everybody our mistakes. We're not we're not afraid to say, hey, we messed up. Yeah. What we want to do is help people not make those mistakes where it saves them money, it saves them time. They can get more successful quicker than we did. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's it's I love that you share that because I think people see entrepreneurs entrepreneurship as being this, you know, sexy, uh, profession or I don't know, segment or, you know, it, it, entrepreneurship is, can be very ugly, very challenging, and it takes real grit and heart and sacrifice. Um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's all of the things that you guys are talking about. And, um, you know, I, I definitely just think it sounds sexier than it feels when you're in a, in it. And it takes a real consistent, deep passion and drive to kind of withstand the storm that you have to, I mean, creating something from nothing is, is a feat. And um, I guess with that, are there specific segments or business models that you think are good ones to be in now, especially in light of where we are. Like the digital, for example, one segment I've observed is digital courses are blowing up in a way that they never have. What is your experience um, and what do you guys think is, is a good course, uh, course of action or area to be in right now? Um, you know, the first thing that comes up is the word Zoom. I mean, to me, everything is on Zoom now. Like any business that can operate around Zoom. Uh, we actually, our daughter, 
um, started an, another Zoom yesterday with a lady that used to provide music, you know, would come to her house once a week uh, for an hour. She had a lot of clients. She would go to libraries. She would do all these things. And she had to transform her whole business into Zoom on a snap of the finger, just like that. Um, we've actually talked to several entrepreneurs because with COVID, business is tough. I mean, business is tough in general. To start a business is almost impossible. Um, so right now our focus is anything that can be, you know, on Zoom, on a computer, because people are, are, are scared of COVID right now. And, and in LA, you know, with the way we're shutting down again, it's even more complicated. You know, I'm from, I'm from Texas, so uh, things are different there. You know, they, everything's open there. So even the businesses that I started, the party planning company, it's a whole different parameter in Texas compared to here. I literally have had countless nights thinking because we have a, one of our uh, entrepreneurs that we're helping has a party planning company. And I'm racking my brain as much as I can to help them because they're in the wedding business here in LA. You know, it's, I, I'm just trying to figure out how can we help? Because in Texas, yes, their business is hurting, but they're doing, but more. they're open. You know what I mean? Right. You know, my buddies has five events uh, this weekend and it's like, wow, you know, who's going to these? Wow. Events? Yeah. And you know what? I think that highlights another really, really important point here, which is this idea of being flexible and being, um, resourceful. And I think part of me feels a sense of pride in seeing how creative some businesses have been in order to withstand this situation. So for example, I did go to one outdoor um, boot camp, and it was, what happened was it was a business locally that they had built the most beautiful indoor fitness studio. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It looked like it was out of a magazine. You could eat off the floors and, <laughs> you know, COVID hit. And of course, I'm sure they're in this lease. And so what they did was they created an outdoor workout in the parking lot, you know, but the way that they did the sanitizing and the stations and the six feet. And I just sat there and I was like, so proud of this company and humanity, you know, it, with all the craziness going on, I felt such a strong sense of pride and so impressed by how these folks have been nimble and creative to overcome such adversity. And I think this notion of flexibility and resourcefulness is, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you guys know more than any anyone, you have to have that, but it's really magnified things even more and made those skills even more important. Sure. I think that's why, you know, 3% of businesses actually do, you know, excel, you know, the other 97, you know, go bankrupt is because of companies like yourself, people who, you know, run businesses right now, they're going out of business unless you're open-minded, flexible. Right. So even this boxing place that we work out at, um, we haven't during COVID, they thought outside the box, similar to you. Literally, you know, they went outside of the building. Outside the box, outside of the building, they have punching bags hung on the outside of the walls. I mean, they have it all, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it's actually probably better, you know, than it was before. Um, but that's the creativity of a successful entrepreneur. And I think one of the key things is like, even just learning about how your brain works is you have the fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever there's 
danger or whenever there's fear, sometimes we just close our minds Mm -hmm. to every other opportunity and just hone in on one thing that may not be the best thing. So as this pandemic has been affecting people, it's very easy to be negatively affected emotionally, you know, by what's happening. So it allows people to not think it, 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 it prevents people to not think broadly. And if you can't think broadly, you can't think creatively in other opportunities. Absolutely. And I think that idea of the fight or flight, one thing I've had to, um, one maybe tool, practical tool that I've had to really um, embrace comes from when there was something in my corporate job. And um, I remember one of the managing directors saying to me, don't panic. And it's true, when you panic and get into your fight or flight, your brain actually shuts down and you cannot function. So I know a lot of people lean on like meditation and all of this kind of stuff, which, you know, I think everyone has their own tools that work for them. Um, For me personally, I, when I find myself being in that state, I have now exercised this muscle to get myself out of it and say, don't panic. Like, breathe because then you can start thinking again right opening up your mind again do you guys do that or how do you guys um kind of work yourself out of that or coach others so um i picked up tennis here recently um during covid and just slightly before and some of the learnings that i've actually learned um is about your uh game routine like between points and it is breathing you know because i I'm very competitive, just like I was in business. I don't want to lose. I don't want any company to be better than mine. I'm going to figure out how to be the best. You know, it's just a matter of when I'm going to be the best. Not if I'm going to be the best, I'm going to be the best. So in tennis, that's my whole mindset too. I want to win. You know, I want to have fun. So, you know, I beat myself down a lot, you know, because I expect my shot, you know, every shot I hit perfect. But what I learned, and it's tremendously helpful, is yeah, it's not necessarily fear, but it's that whole mindset of negativity, which is, uh, you know, a lot of fear is breathing. So every time, you know, you, you, you breathe in, you know, you breathe in for four, hold for four and breathe out for four. It's been a key. I mean, it's really, it's, you know, I, I just now learning more about yoga, meditation and everything um, through a lot of these classes. And that has helped. But the breathing for me is the number one by far help helping. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people uh, may do, like you just said, you have this little don't panic and you breathe. I've met another woman who she always tells herself, what if it was right? What if it was meant to be? And like, she like, just whenever there's a panic, a panic moment, she just comes back. What if this, what if everything was all right? What if this was meant to be? And it's just, everybody has their own coping mechanisms to bringing themselves back to the present moment. But one of the things that we've learned, and we're actually reading a book by Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. And he said in there, you are born with your breath and you are with your breath until your last breath. So that's the only thing that you can actually utilize to change the way that your body is functioning so use it whenever you have these moments of panic and stress because they activate your parasympathetic system which makes you not be in fight or flight mode the the one thing i will add that you know um everybody's different like you know kim said but 
the main thing that we've seen that we're seeing is positivity for sure we're trying to everything we see everything we do we make it positive so one way i'm going to relate is on the tennis court now i don't i don't beat myself down you don't want to hit a good shot i say man that's how you do it you know instead of focusing on the so even to add to kim you know she says don't panic to me that's almost like a negative connotation here so i i don't focus on that i want to do something i want to change it to where i use that same principle but it's a positive so it's instead of don't panic is i got this i have this yeah, yeah. i've got this you know yeah and one of the things we i love that we've met a social media coach through this initiative and she actually lost her job because of covid and she was a social media manager for a corporation in san francisco super awesome girl she had she got pregnant at 19 has a six-year-old daughter now and when she lost her job she was like what the heck do i do i have a child to support she's a single mom that's right she's a single mom rent to you know rent to pay groceries to buy bills to pay like and i have this daughter so i feel like it all comes back to like what is your passion what is your drive and for her it's like she wants to show her daughter that you can do anything you set your mind to. And this woman, since COVID in March, when she lost her job, she's built, she's almost at a six figure business doing social media coaching. It, it was she's, exceptional growth right. in the last wow. six months. When we and, talked what she was making before and now, and I wanna say this, I, I was gonna ask you later, but it, it's so important because we're seeing it now. Mm -hmm it's back to that fire, yeah. you know? And I wanted to even ask Kim, how are you going to do it? Cause I don't, you know, I don't, I think you grew up here in the LA area, but you know, both of us grew up, you know, on the poor side, you know, we had that fire to want to be better, you know, but a lot of my friends here in LA, they all have money. So our thought in, you know, in our planning stages, how can, you know, our son and daughter have that same fire. They have everything they want when they're 16, you know? So what are you gonna do or what, what you know, things are you seeing that, you know, can help these kids have this same fire? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have that figured out. I think it's a big question. And I think anyone that has any level of financial security or success, um, you know, some of the partners that I know, some of the very successful people I know have this challenge of, how do you keep your kids hungry, right? And I think it is a very um, important question. Um, I think with respect to the children, they need to feel, I think it's important for them to be loved but not loved too much. And I was just listening to a podcast that actually touched on that funny enough this morning. And, you know, kids being handed toys and money and stuff, it doesn't make them happy and it doesn't make them confident. So at the end of the day, I think it's about making sure that we push our kids to be their best and acquire skills that make them feel self-confident and have that sense of security within themselves and be solid. Like, I think it is super, super important for every individual, whether you're married and you have a lot of money or the guy has a lot of money, let's just say, whether your parents have a lot of money, um, nothing replaces that feeling of being able to take care of yourself. So I was not raised with a, a lot of money. I was very much middle-class, but being able to 
take care of yourself financially is so important, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you come from wealth, whether you don't. I think this idea of being able to take on debt, get yourself out of debt, make money, pay your own bills, all of that. I mean, that level of self-reliance, you know, yeah, you can hand your kids a pile of money. Is that really the best thing for them? I don't think so. I mean, I want our kids to be working at age 15 or 16, just like I did. And, you know, really know what that is like, that hard work and that grit and having the value of a dollar is so important just for, like you're saying, Adriana, the sense of purpose, right? Like we all need to feel that sense of purpose. So, you know, just encouraging them to find their passion and acquire the skills that make them feel confident is, is my focus as a parent. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, always, that's like what we're tweaking. Like, how do we inspire our children so that they're the best version of themselves? Just like, how do we inspire all these people that have, you know, entrusted us with? And even, you know, I'm, it's a little off, uh, but I feel like this is important, you know, uh, aspect of who Adrian and I are. And, you know, we're, we're tired at 31, but in our driveway is Adriana's first car she's ever had. And that's our baby. And that's our baby. <laughs> it's a to 2006 Toyota Corolla. The windows are manual. You have to crank your, you know, um, but that's who we are. That, you know, uh, and that's what we're going to try to instill even, you know, on all of our entrepreneurs that we help, you know, you know, we don't have to be flashy, you know. Um, Just because you have money doesn't mean that you have to spend it you know, you have to think about what it is that you want versus your needs, you know, and, and do you really want it? Because nine times out of 10, when you buy something material, you forget about it within a certain amount of time. And then, you know, it doesn't make you happy for long term. We, you know, we talked about when I met Brandon, it was funny because one Christmas, he's like, what should I get my mom? What should I get my stepdad? What should I get my dad and, you know, my stepmom for Christmas? And I was like, well, what do they like? Like, what do they like to do? What are some of the things that they enjoy? And he's like, I don't know, let's just get them a charm for the bracelet, you know? And to me, it was like, for me, it's more about the experiential things. You know, it doesn't have to actually cost money as long as it's thoughtful. And that's with the holiday season coming around and people feeling indebted, you know, to buy or, or forced to buy things for their family members and friends. Like, no, you know, take a second, stop, think about it. What is more thoughtful? You know, there's, I still remember to this day, one Mother's Day, I was probably 15 years old and I made my mom a picture collage of pictures of us and as I was little and I cut some things out of a magazine. And I remember her mentioning that gift over the years because it meant so much to her that I put my time and effort to make her a little collage. And she displayed it so proudly in our little, um, in this one furniture piece in our house when I was living in Florida. And it made me happy knowing that it meant something to her. Absolutely. And I think you hit on two things as we wrap. Um, one is my value system and what I was taught by my father, who's actually a financial advisor, is you always wanna live below your means. And he doesn't just say that he lives it. Like I was not raised materialistic at all. And so, that's just where we come from. We don't come from trying to impress people and all of that crazy. Um, so, and I think that kind of goes back to our children too. Like, what are the values that you're teaching them? Where does happiness come from? Is it from 
you know, a material item or is it through time and love and attention and, you know, all of the great things in life. So, you know, I just think that value system uh, is so important that we instill in our children that you talked about too. Any closing thoughts, you guys? I know you guys um, are pressed for time too, but this, I, I feel like we could talk for, you know, yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, I think for me, I just, I want to tell the message to everybody out there. Don't be afraid to ask for guidance, whether it's somebody you trust or whether it's you come to us or whether you go to a financial organization or, or you read up on things that are from trusted resources, like, but if you need help, get it, you know, because at the end of the day, like if you can find your passion and your drive to have that financial freedom that you were saying, like that independence, that empowerment that you have, that's so incredible to have. And not only do you get it, when you attain it, you have it, but you also inspire your family and future generations. So don't be afraid. Don't let fear drive your decision. Mm -hmm. And I think just to wrap up, you know, our main deal, it, whoever we talk to, whether it's a family that are, is looking for budget, budgeting help, or it's an entrepreneur, it's always about budgeting and it's always about less spending and being debt free. Um, mm -hmm. That's like we, the biggest that's, relief. That's in the our world. main key, you know. You know, the key is if you have a car that's, you know, that you're ready for a new car, are you debt free? You know, keep keep that car until you mm -hmm. paid off all your debt, your credit cards, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't play this game, you know, of paying, you know, everybody else, you know, money. Yeah. You know? Don't live your life to impress others. You gotta live your life to be true to you who you are. Exactly. And I think Absolutely. that's the way. Absolutely. I think that is probably our same uh, mindset and the way we live and is really the key to being the millionaire next door. Um, you know, if, if folks out there want to read that book, they talk a lot about this, these concepts, but um, completely agree. Um, so if folks do want your help, how can they reach you? They can go to Instagram at life is a millionaire 31. Uh, and you can, they can send us a DM, you can email us, we have the email button on there, or they can go to Facebook if they don't have Instagram to Life is a Millionaire 31 as well. Um, we're, we're here, everything that comes out of that handle and those two profiles is just us two. There's no manager or assistant or anything. It's like these people that reach out will be talking to us. And you, I can promise you, you don't pay us a dollar, you don't pay us yeah. 10 cents, you don't, you know, there will never be anything, you know, out of your pocket other than, you know, you listening, you know, right, your time. It, exactly. And we're, we're constantly here. We have entrepreneurs that we've helped, you know, over a year ago that they constantly, every week they may ask us a question yeah. and we actually love it because yeah, that, fun. that fuels us. We see the fire. These people want our help. They see the value, you know, and we've talked to other people and, you know, we haven't talked to them again, but that's okay too. I hope that they're being successful. Um, mm -hmm. because we don't have all the answers too. We're just here to be a, a helpful guy. Mm -hmm. wow. You guys are amazing. Thank you guys so much. I am so inspired by both of you and I feel so honored to be, uh, to call you both my friends. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing out there, all the positivity and for your time today. I love you guys so much.
Yeah, thank you, Cam. It was fun doing it. Cam, thank you so much. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.